Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 8 through to 14. And if you would stand with me as we read together. Luke chapter 2, beginning to read in verse 8. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for you and all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at all these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and for an opportunity we have now to uh, dive into it and to understand it. And I pray, Lord, that as we take this um, next uh, 40 minutes or so to uh, examine your word, that you would help us to see it in a way maybe we hadn't seen it before. And there's always something for you to teach us, Lord. And I pray that by your spirit, you would have free reign this morning in our hearts, that all the things that maybe we've brought in, all the confusion, all the stress, anxiety, whatever, Lord, we could lay it all aside and now just approach your word and allow it to speak to our hearts. And so, Lord, speak to us now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So it's Christmas, and it's uh, a Christmas like we've never had before. Um, the hustle and bustle of the long lineups uh, in shopping malls, they've been replaced with online shopping, Amazon or what have you. The or- airports are normally filled with people. Uh, they're, uh, they're empty. Highway closures due to weather, lots of us used to watch those kinds of things, but it's really a non-issue this year as no one's really traveling. Making up those extra beds for the family members who are coming in, no, there's no real need for that because we'll do it all on a Zoom call or a Facebook this year. But there's one thing about Christmas that is not going to change and it never will change, and that's remembering the arrival of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want us to take a look at it from the what was it like for these guys to um, uh, understand the God of the universe coming down to this planet, to earth, to be with us? What was it like for them? So we're just going to walk through it here like we normally do, starting in verse 8 there. It says that in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. This is the regular business of these guys. The regular business of shepherds is to make sure that they are protecting the sheep. They're constantly keeping an eye out for these predators. And these guys in particular, these shepherds, they were in a graveyard shift because it's the middle of the night now and they're out in the countryside. 
And so being out in the countryside, way away from any kind of lights that would have been um, in the city, any kind of fires, these kinds of things, uh, would have been really dark for them out in the countryside. Their pupils dilated so they can make sure they're scanning the horizon for any potential predators. Um, about a week and a half ago, uh, my wife told me that um, there's going to be a northern light display, and we'd, we'd be able to see it in Calgary. So we were uh, all pretty excited about this, uh, Jenna, myself, and Jody. And, uh, but it wasn't going to come until 11 at night. So we all kind of, you know, we were a little bit drowsy. But we said, okay, we're going to go. We're gonna, we got to go see these northern lights. I'd seen them before in Saskatchewan. Anybody seen northern lights before? Put your hands up. They're incredible. Yeah. Saskatchewan is incredible. On the houseboat, we've seen them a few times. Uh, remember that, Kieran? Yeah. Incredible. And um, so Jody and I, I'm, I'm thinking, you never get to see northern lights in Calgary, so I want to go see this. So we went out to the edge of the city. We had to keep driving because the lights were so bright from the city. So we got outside the city. And uh, it took us about 15 minutes to get to a place where it was dark. And uh, turn off the lights, and up we looked. Nothing. So we thought, well, maybe, we're, maybe we haven't quite positioned things well. So we got out of the vehicle, and we're looking around, and there was nothing. But in order to get to the place where we could have seen it, we had to get to a place where it was actually pitch black. Pitch black dark. We're not talking about being dark in your backyard. We're talking about it being pitch black so that you could see well. These shepherds out in the countryside, there was no lights around them. Their eyes uh, uh, totally dilated, being able to um, scan the horizon. And these guys, they're in pitch black. They're in the graveyard shift and just doing their regular job watching over these sheep. I don't know if they were stargazing or what, but it probably was a brilliant sky. And then, out of nowhere, the glory of the Lord shows up. And we pick it up here in verse 9. And an angel an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Now, this idea of the glory of the Lord, it can be found in other places like uh, in Exodus chapter 24, 16. The Israelites, when they were looking at the uh, glory of the Lord, it looked to them like a consuming fire, a consuming fire on the, to- on the top of Mount Sinai. So this is the kind of glory of the Lord that shone around them. They're not looking at it out there. It's actually shone around them. Would they have been terrified? Of course. So would have you. You were pitch black two seconds ago, and now there's brightness and a consuming type fire all around you. And so these guys are scared. But immediately the angel wants to calm them down. And so he says this in verse 10 and 11. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Great news for you guys. This is not about being scared right now. This is an incredible celebration. This is great news of great joy for all the people, not a select people, for all the people. Then here's the reason why. Christ, the Messiah, is here. He just arrived. He just arrived on this planet. Now, the angel didn't have to explain who the Messiah was. These shepherds obviously already knew who he was. The Old Testament prophecies were countless, talking about this Messiah who is going to come into the world. And this wasn't, therefore, an announcement to uh, you guys here. You're privileged to have him alive on the earth at the same time as you. He says, no, he has just arrived very close to you, and you can go see him. 
You've been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years to happen, and it's just happened just now. And with this incredible, uh, shining, consuming uh, glory of the Lord shining all around them, and this announcement, you can imagine what was going on inside of them. We get to be alive. Not only do we get to be alive, the angel's telling us we can go see God who's actually come now to this planet. Incredible. Again, hundreds of years, people waiting in anticipation of the arrival of Messiah, and now he is here. And you can go see him. In fact, you should go see him in Bethlehem. Imagine that. The God of the, the, God of the universe has just arrived on this planet. Now, of course, secular people, when they have an idea of God coming to this planet, they have all kinds of different notions. If gods actually exist, what would it look like for them to come to the earth? Some of you will remember uh, in Acts chapter 14, if you're taking notes, you can look this up later. But in Acts chapter 14 in Lystra, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas are there, and they're um, speaking and stuff, and then they, they perform this miracle through Jesus Christ, and the people there said, well, the gods are here. The gods are here. These two guys, who actually were Paul and Barnabas, they said, no, the gods have come. And in particular, Paul is Zeus. Why is Paul Zeus? Because he's powerful. He's powerful. He showed this miracle. And so what we need to do is we need to go get some oxen, and we need to sacrifice to these guys. That was the normal conclusion. If the gods were to come to this earth, they're going to show power. And they're going to show power, and we better get underneath them, and we better give them sacrifices. Because we want to be on their good side. But that wasn't the true God. If the real God was going to come to this earth, he's going to come in a different way. If the God of this universe wants to be relationally connected to us, he's got to come in a different way. And he comes as a savior. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 talks about the, the coming arrival of the Messiah and says, His name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor and the Mighty God. The name of the Messiah, God. He is coming to this earth. Now the description of the Messiah to these shepherds is really important. He is called Christ the Lord, the Savior of the world. That's what they're communicating to these shepherds. That's what he's communicating here. Literally, Savior or Preserver. He is coming and this is his name. God is coming to the earth, is going to come as a Messiah who is going to be your Savior. That's what he's coming for. In John chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2, it describes uh, Jesus' arrival this way. That God himself left his throne in glory to come and dwell with humanity. And he chose to take on the limitations of human flesh and to dwell with us. Not to be other, but to dwell with us. And so, while heaven was experiencing the departure of the Son of God, humanity at this point was receiving him. And basically the angel's telling these guys this, no other time in history will this ever happen again, ever. He's chosen to come to be with you on this earth now, and you can go see him. The word just became flesh and is now dwelling among us, an event so incredible, so incredible, an event that totally changed the course of human history. And so, you shepherds, you're not only alive, at the arrival, but you get to go see him. You can go see him now in the city of David called Bethlehem. A remarkable announcement, remarkable to these shepherds. But Jesus didn't come in power, he came in humility. 
We pick this up in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. With this amazing amount announcement of God coming to the earth is this most unamazing arrival. The God of the universe did not come down from heaven in some kind of magnificence and going into a, te- into a temple to sit on a throne. No, he came in a stable wrapped in a manger and you'd expect it from a God who would be called our Savior. Amazing? Absolutely. He left all of his glory. <clears throat> he left all of his splendor in heaven to come and to take on human form. And coming in absolute humility, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, truly, ama- truly amazing. But the angel's not done yet. Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. A multitude of angels now shows up. And in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 12, it talks about a multitude as being several thousand. So we're talking several thousand angels are now in this heavenly company joining this angel who's just made the announcement. And now they're all praising the Lord. A thunderous kind of sound it would have been. I don't know if you can imagine what that would sound like, but a couple of years ago I had the opportunity to go to uh, a football game in Seattle and uh, in, in Seattle, they are known to be the loudest NFL stadium uh, in all the NFL stadiums. And so what they do, this is a ceremony they do. They, uh, at the beginning of the game, before they all come out, they raise up a flag. And the flag is called the 12th man. There's 11 men allowed on the field in NFL, but they raise a flag. It's the 12th man. What is this 12th man? Well, this 12th man, if the, if the crowd can get so loud then when the other team's offense is on the field and trying to tell each other what the plays are, if they can be so loud that they can't communicate the plays, they, they, and, so maybe, and maybe when he says hut, offside, they can't hear him, they can't hear the plays, and so maybe somebody does a, a, a wrong route, and so they end up being like another member on the field. But it's a thunderous sound there. Uh, apparently it gets up to about 140 decibels. I will tell you, though, that the record is at Arrowhead at Kansas City Chiefs Stadium. You should just know that for all of you who are thinking that uh, I've now changed to a Seattle fan. No, Kansas City, and still the louder ever. Uh, 142.2, Caleb, that's the loudest. That's on record. Uh, <clears throat> it's like a plane. If you were to hear a plane and be close to a plane, that's the kind of volume, that's the kind of sound we're talking about. But it wasn't just loud noise. They were praising the Lord in unison, and many scholars believe this is actually done in song, that all of these thousands of angels are now singing. And if it would have been done in song, it would have been the most, the most amazing chorus of, chorus of music you would have ever have heard in human history. I've uh, gone to London, England a few times, and I've been there with my family, and uh, there's a, a, a place there, St. Paul's Cathedral or Westminster Abbey, you can go at five o'clock. And if you get there early enough, you can go up and you can sit with the choir. And uh, the choir is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, so we, uh, we try to get there. I always try to get there early. And so we get to sit up there. And this one time, I literally sat right beside one of the, one of the boys who was uh, uh, standing there singing in the boys' choir. And I was, like, totally melting. Like the, the, and then it echoes in the whole place, and it's unbelievable. And as, as unbelievable as that is to me, this would have totally been 
so much more than anything that a cathedral and a boys' choir could ever produce. So the shepherds are there, and they are first shocked like crazy. Hear this incredible announcement, and then, okay, don't go yet because we, we've, got a, we've got a choir piece for you. We, we want you to hear this before you take off. And then thousands of angels begin singing all around them. It would have been the most incredible thing. I mean, if I would have been, you know, one of those angels, I would have said, yeah, one more time, uh, can I, is there a request? Like, I, that was absolutely unbelievable. I look forward to what that's going to be like when we get to heaven. And uh, the, the shepherds are the only ones who have ever heard it quite like this. What the angels were communicating, though, is important. It's the arrival of Jesus, and it was affecting two places, according to what they were probably singing here. The first place was heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. The angels were already singing this and praising God who is in the highest. And then the arrival of Jesus meant a joyous occasion for for the earth. Because the birth of Jesus meant that God was coming to personally repair the damaged relationship between us and God. It was God's desire and willful decision to come and to repair all that we had gotten wrong. And therefore... That's where we join in. And we sing glory to God in the highest. For this is God doing this, coming to save us. On earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. The arrival of Jesus meant that peace would come to the earth. Not a military kind of peace, but an inner peace of those who would embrace Jesus as he's declared here as our Savior. And Jesus paved this way then for this inner peace to come through his death and resurrection whereby those who believe in him can know him inwardly and can know that their sinful past is gone and their, and their, their selfish living that they had lived is now uh, replaced with living for God. And the arrival of Jesus now was ushering this new peace with God on the planet. And so, yes, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's well pleased. And with that, the angelic multitude, they're gone. And so these shepherds come up with what they need to do next. I love the way it's worded here. Um, Verse 16, and they came in haste. They came in haste. This is an incredible announcement, and now they're coming in haste. Sorry, uh, sheep, we're going to have to leave you. Um, You're going to have to make it on your own. Uh, We're gone. And these guys, you can imagine, in haste. I imagine these guys running, sprinting to get to Bethlehem. And after finding Jesus, and after experiencing the God of the universe being there, verse 20 says, they leave there praising God. They leave the place praising God and glorifying for all that they had seen and for all that they had heard. This is kind of the response that God's looking for from us. That praise and glory be given to Him. Jesus didn't have to come. But he did come, and he came for those of us who would believe in him would now be in right standing with him. Now, according to the calendar, it's five days before Christmas. And uh, whether or not you believe that this is the exact time of year that Jesus came or not, or whether he came on December 25th or not, is actually really irrelevant. The Christian church... For us, this is the time we remember. This is the time we praise God. 
This is a time we thank him for all that he's done. And it ought to bring about the same kind of joy. It ought to bring about the same kind of praise. It ought to bring about the same kind of thanksgiving that these shepherds gave to God. So here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to go through the lessons. And then after we do that, we're going to sing again. That's how we're going to close it this morning. We're going to sing again. And we're going to praise the Lord the way that the shepherds did. Now, again, we, don't get, we didn't get to be there the same time they did. And it didn't, his arrival, none of that was a part of our, uh, uh, is a part of our existence. But we can praise the Lord exactly the same way the shepherds did. And we can thank the Lord and give glory to God in the exact same way the shepherds did. As they left praising and glorifying God, so this is the way we will leave this morning. All right. First of all, though, some lessons and maybe some conversation around them. I only have two, and they're, and they're fairly simple, and they're fairly straightforward, but they are profound. First of all, the arrival of the Messiah to this world was an incredible, once-in-a-lifetime experience that changed the course of man's relationship with God forever. That's what changed the course of a human relationship with God. It totally changed by the arrival of Jesus Christ. There is no way that God had to do this. But God did do this because he loves us. If he's called the God of love, we would expect him to come and do a self-sacrificial act for us. We talk about this all the time, that love is self-sacrifice on the move to another for their benefit so that they can thrive. This is the most ultimate um, expression of self-sacrifice ever in human history. That God left his home and glory to come and be among us and to sacrifice his own life, that we would have a good, right, and proper relationship with Jesus Christ. It changed the course of human history forever. So I wrote down there Luke 2, 8 to 20, also 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We talk about that verse lots around here. And then secondly, bringing peace to men as their Savior was the intended outcome of God coming into this world. That's the intended outcome of God coming into this world, bringing peace to men as their Savior. And I've got a few uh, verses in there um, so that you can look up later and you can be reminded of where we got them from. All right, so what are you thinking? Thoughts or, or comments? Again, this is kind of one of those sermons you go, well, Dan, we know all of that. We know this. We, we've, we understood that this is the case. But this morning, the point is, is to, to bring a, a highlight to it to shine a light on this event so that we could be in the place of praise and thanksgiving and glory to God.